Welcome back to the Evans Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and this is episode 93. Azathioprine is the worst. Now, today I'm going to do a little bit of a change of pace. Instead of reading uh, a paper and talking through the paper itself, I want to uh, read one of my ad- newsletters to you. This is a newsletter that I write at Figure One with Anisha Dua. You can find links to that on my Twitter bio or at ebroom.com. The idea is that once or twice a month, I'm going to put out a newsletter where I discuss some topic. They're a little bit higher level than the podcast themselves, which really get into the weeds. So it's kind of an overview of some topic. And I put a fair amount of work into them. So I, you know, do me a favor and go check it out and join. But today I'm just going to read one of the recent newsletters, one that I enjoyed and I think is somewhat controversial. So I'd love to hear some feedback from y'all on Twitter if you uh, have any thoughts to share. Without any further ado, I'm just going to read you the newsletter. Now, as I said, it's entitled, As a Thioprin is the Worst. I would like to dedicate this week to my least favorite drug in rheumatology, azathioprine. This rose to the top of my queue after reading a paper entitled, quote, Race, Genotype, and Azathioprine Discontinuation, end quote, in the Annals of Internal Medicine. The paper leveraged Vanderbilt's clinical practice biobank to identify a gene, RS281477A-CC, that was associated with azathioprine hematopoietic-related discontinuations. The authors recommended, in addition to the TPMT testing that we are already typically performing, that, and I quote, testing for the Duffy null phenotype be considered in all patients before azathioprine initiation or if leukopenia is detected, end quote. I never love screening for risks that are themselves not that substantial. The gen- genetic phenotype associated here was with an increased risk of 2.58 discontinuations per 100 person years. But I also have a much simpler solution. Stop using azathioprine so much. I'm going to cover four different things people say about azathioprine and kind of debunk them each in turn. So first, it is an add-on for RA. Now, the most po- obvious place to avoid azathioprine is for patients with rheumatoid arthritis. The 2021 guidelines do not even mention it, and the 2012 guidelines ignominiously dropped it along with cyclosporin, azathioprine, and gold from their guidelines. It is not that azathioprine has no efficacy whatsoever in rheumatoid arthritis. A Cochrane review in 2000 concluded it had a marginal benefit. Rather, the problem is that, one, it has substantial toxicity. The hazard ratio for adverse uh, reactions um, from that same study was uh, 4.56. And two, there are dozens of better options for rheumatoid arthritis. So don't use azathioprine for RA. The next thing I hear is, quote, it may be good for patients with ILD, end quote. Azathioprine enthusiasts often cite its supposed efficacy in lung diseases. This seems highly suspect to me. Most prior studies of this question were observational or small or observational or confounded by co-treatment with cyclophosphamide, which is a drug that actually does work. The large 2012 pulmonary fibrosis RCT of azathioprine, prednisone, and N-acetylcysteine against placebo, also known as the Panther IPF study, should reassure precisely nobody. Halfway through data collection, the trial was halted because the treatment group had a significantly higher risk of death or hospitalization, um, and the combination therapy, and I quote, provided little or no benefit for primary and secondary outcomes, end quote. It could plausibly be argued that either prednisone or N-acetylcysteine drove the complication rate, but it is hard for me to be excited about azathioprine when the ILD data looks like this. The next statement I hear is that's the standard of care for maintenance in ankyovasculitis. Now, one of the main reasons for azathioprine's sticky persistence in our armamentarium has been its role as a cyclophosphamide chaser. 
and ankyl vasculitis. This was the standard of care for many years. But in the wake of the 2014 Mainritzen trial, it seems clear to me that rituximab should be heavily favored for this implication. Receiving azathioprine in the trial was associated with a whopping 6.6-fold higher hazard ratio for relapse, with absolute values of 29% in the azathioprine group and 5% in the rituximab group. This is a number needed to harm of four. You need to give four patients azathioprine instead of rituximab to harm one of them. To put this in context, the age-adjusted risk factor of smoking and lung cancer is somewhere in this range. Very few of us routinely recommend our patients start smoking because we find such a high risk to be prohibitive. The bar for favoring azathioprine over rituximab should be very, very high. The last statement that I often hear is that it's one of our best lupus drugs. Despite failing as an induction therapy for lupus, azathioprine's role as a cyclophosphamide chaser in SLA nephritis persists, and many people still use it for maintenance therapy. This is baffling to me, as azathioprine failed spectacularly when placed head-to-head -head against mycophenolate in a 2011 New England Journal of Medicine RCT. The hazard ratio for treatment failure was 0.44 for those who received mycophenolate instead of azathioprine, with a stark 16% absolute risk reduction in the rates of treatment failure. That means you need to treat six patients with maintenance azathioprine as, to as opposed to treating them with mycophenolate as uh, maintenance therapy to cause one patient to flare for lupus nephritis. Serious adverse events in this trial were actually worse for azathioprine as compared to mycophenolate, putting lie to the notion that it is a well-tolerated medication. All right, practice points. Let me be clear. Some patients may benefit from azathioprine. I'm not saying that it is an entirely useless drug or that nobody should ever prescribe it. I do use it myself on occasion. Rather, I am just saying that it is likely the worst option for nearly every indication for which it could be prescribed. A couple of practice points. Number one, if you're prescribing azathioprine, you should consider testing for the Duffy-Null phenotype because such patients have a high risk of bone marrow complications. I would recommend this more strongly in patients who are black, who have a 58% prevalence of this genotype, as opposed to patients who are white, who have a 0.38% prevalence of this genotype, but the paper itself advocated for universal testing. Number two, azathioprine should not be considered a first-line agent for induction of lupus nephritis, maintenance of acovasculitis, or maintenance of lupus nephritis. Number three, avoid azathioprine use in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. And number four, further study really needs to be done on patients with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. But for me, it's hard to be excited about azathioprine in this setting. I think we really need to look at this because a lot of us have this in the back of our minds, and I don't think it's well substantiated. All right, so that was a newsletter. I hope you enjoyed hearing it. I'll read one from time to time to try and gin up some excitement about the newsletter itself. But in the interim, I'm going to try to still continue podcasting in my usual format. So future episodes will be returning to that. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed hearing it and have a great day. <laughs>